Welcome to Off the Beaten Path, But Not Lost. With Tony, Kristen, Kylie, and Lexi. Join us on this RV full-time living journey. Across the beautiful United States. Where the fellas. Welcome to episode 73. Just Tony and I. Hey there, dear listeners. If you've been enjoying our adventures, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd greatly appreciate your support and feedback by leaving us a quick review on whatever platform you listen to us. By sharing your thoughts and rating our show, you'll not only help us improve, but you'll help us get seen by more people. It's super easy to leave a review. Just go to whatever platform you listen to and Click on our page or our profile, and it should say review, and you can just leave a review. Yeah. We'll have links for this podcast, the things we talk about, at thefeolas.com slash 73. Today, we're going to talk about five must-see off-the-beaten-path destinations. We're going to talk about small towns, things to do, places to stay. A little bit of history about them. History, yeah. And why they're a hidden gem. All right, let's get started. What's number one? Oh, by the way, these aren't like our top five. This isn't our only five. This is just five that we thought of, and they're in no special order or anything like that. We're just giving you five cool spots to add to your bucket list. Yep. If you're in the area, stop by. Check them out. All right. Let's do this. Number one, Jerome, Arizona. Every time we've been to Cottonwood, like I think we've gone to Jerome multiple times. It is such a cool little mountain town. Yeah. Actually, all of these but one, I think, are mountain towns. We're kind of obsessed with mountain towns. Yeah, they're, they're, we're like moths to a flame <laughs> when it comes to that. You'll find Jerome, Arizona in the Black Hills of Yavapai County. It's a historic mining county. It's 20 miles west of Cottonwood, 45 minutes from Sedona. About two hours from Phoenix. And it's in Mingus Mountain. We've actually done a couple Jeep trails in this mountain as well, but we've also mapped them on Trails Off-Road. Trails Off-Road. It's also in the Prescott National Forest, and it overlooks Verde Valley. The town's location on is, like, right on the slope, and... Yeah, they call it Cleopatra Hill. When you're up in the mountain in Jerome, you have, like, awesome panoramic views of Verde Valley and the Cottonwood. And you can even see the, like the red Hills of Sedona off in the distance. It's pretty amazing. I think Jerome is 5,000 feet, right? Elevation. Yes. And if you're down in a Valley, like in Verde Valley. Like when you're in Cottonwood. Yeah. And you, it's such a cool town to look up in. Like the town is like nestled in the mountain and you can see the lights on at night and it's just a really cool town. Yeah. At night looks like just like floating little lights up on the mountain. (laughs) <laughs> all right the history it was established in the 19th century as a mining town that's a very consistent theme in arizona especially in any mountainous area mining these little towns pop up this one did copper gold and silver in the 1870s a lot of it so much that they made a town yep <laughs> the united verde copper company established by william clark in 1883 Began mining operations, and the town of Jerome was officially founded in 1889. The company closed in 1953, and the town's population went down to, like, nothing. Yeah, just a few hundred people. 
Mm-hmm. And, oh, I don't know how many it was back then, but I think it was like 15,000 or something. Yeah. It was quite a big, big town. Yep. There was, at I think its peak was about 15,000 people, all pretty much all working the mines and working the town. So after it closed, it went down to just a few hundred people. The town was turning into a ghost town. It was dying. Yep. Then in the 60s and 70s, um, there was much more interest in the town's history, and it's a very charming town, so that kind of brought new life to it. Artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, they all moved in, transformed the town into a tourist town. All right, let's talk about some attractions, landmarks, outdoor activities, and recreation you can do in Jerome. The first place is... The Jerome State Historic Park. This is part of the Douglas Mansion, which was built during like the booming mining time. And it overlooks one of the old mines. It actually overlooks uh, another portion of the uh, state park. Yeah, and you can also see like panoramic views from there and everything yeah, as and of well. Course, he built it on the side of the mountain for the best views. And it's a museum. There's a video. Cool place to visit. You can also visit the Gold King Mine Museum in Ghost Town. So we drove by there a couple times on one of the mountain roads, and they have a ton of stuff. It looks pretty cool. They have so many, like, mining artifacts and, like, old equipment out. Right in town, right in Jerome, is a sliding jail. And the reason it got its name, sliding jail, is because because of earth movements, which I'm assuming means earthquakes and at mining activity because they use explosives and stuff, that jail has actually moved or slid 200 feet from its original location. 200 feet? Yep. It was unusable, but it wasn't, like, condemned to be unsafe. So they actually just have it there as like a historic landmark. You can also go on tons of different haunted tours and walking tours in the town. The whole town has like skeletons and kind of like a little bit of a haunted feel. Yeah. And maybe it's a play on the fact that the town almost became a ghost town and then didn't. I don't know. Um, but they have haunted tours in Jerome as well. I would say, I mean, we've driven by probably a half a dozen at least buildings and um, things that have ghostly innuendos or haunted innuendos in them. I think there's a place, isn't there a burger place called Ghost Burgers? Yes, I think so. There's the Jerome Historical Society Mine Museum that you can also visit. Yep, that's right in town. They have a big, they have like a big gear right inside, or right outside on the sidewalk. It's hard to miss. There's the Audrey Headframe Park, which is kind of down this little drive away from town, a short drive. And we actually went there the first time we ever went to Jerome. And that's pretty cool because the reason they call it the Audrey Headframe Park is because there's a, I think the largest wooden headframe in Arizona, still standing in Arizona. And what that is, is like a, it's like a huge wooden structure that's part of the old abandoned mine. The mine and stuff. there's a big a sheet of glass that you can walk on that goes directly over the 1900 foot mine shaft. Yeah. Not sure who would do that, but. <laughs> it's pretty cool. There's the Holy Family Catholic Church. This was built in 1894, and it's a historic church, has beautiful stained glass windows and beautiful views of the valley below. And that's a really old church. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a ton of shopping there with a bunch of stores, and it's they're kind of lined along the roads, so you will have to do a few what are they, switchbacks. Yep. Um, if you want to walk it and go to all the different, there shopping. is a, a lot of parking a lot, right alongside the road. So we've, I, the several times that we've been there, we never really had a trouble parking. 
There's a store there that has a ton of kaleidoscopes in it. It's a really cool store. It's like the world's largest collection of kaleidoscopes. Yeah. The shop name is called Nellie Bly Kaleidoscopes. Yeah, it's really cool. There is a ton of kaleidoscopes, and it's a really cool store. You can also check out different historic homes. They have tours that take you to see some of the homes. A lot of art galleries and art studios. And they have wineries. There is like a famous winery there um, because it's owned by Tool, the band Tool, the lead singer. Did you just make that up? Nope. It's, uh, <laughs> I can't think of the name of it. It's like Caduceus or Caduceus or something, wine winery. So. I didn't know it was that. Like, yeah, like famous dude that owns a winery there. <laughs> There's also a ton of restaurants. We actually went to a pizza place there. Do you remember that name of that pizza I don't. place? It was good. And every time we've ever gone there, there's always people with dogs. So it's a very, like, pet and dog-friendly area. Just not our dogs, because they're insane. Trained dogs. (laughs) Not wild beasts. But, yeah, a lot of cool restaurants and stores. And our favorite thing to do there is Jeep trails, off-road trails. There's quite a few right around that area. We've linked them. We'll link a few in the show notes as well. Or you can just listen to those podcasts that we talk about it. Uh, But there's some really good ones in that area. There's also a ton of hiking and biking, mountain biking. Some of the Jeep trails that we did actually are good hiking trails as well. Well, one of them that we did, we went up kind of like to to an overlook, and there was a couple mountain bikers that we were talking to. I don't know why anybody in their right mind would mountain bike a mountain trail. (laughs) Maybe down. But if you're into that thing, more power to you. Yeah, lots of mountain biking. And challenging, I would say they would probably be more of a challenging bike route. So yeah. pretty cool. If you're into photography, this is a great area. Um, just walking around the town itself, I'm sure you'll find a ton of things to take photographs off. Yep. It's a really, really charming, cute city. Um, and then you can also take photos out over the valley. I mean, it's yeah. just gorgeous in that area. Yeah, about a half a mile outside of town. If you go past Jerome on 89A, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. there is an overlook that looks down through the valley and into Verde Valley. It's stunning. We it's saw a amazing. parrot there once. Yeah, I saw a guy with a parrot on his shoulder. And he was drinking wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's also a ton of scenic drives. There's one, whatever road that is. What is that road? 89A. That okay. goes from Cottonwood or Clarksdale. It goes up into Jerome, past Jerome, and over like Mingus Mountain area through the Prescott National Forest. It's very windy and twisty. And it's a gorgeous, a gorgeous. Great views, yep. I, my ears do pop, and I get a little bit of... um sickness elevation elevation sickness sickness. uh but coming down is great (laughs) i love coming down (laughs) Uh, but that's a lot of fun that's also keep in mind that is also not an rv friendly road yeah i would not recommend driving your rv up there for sure it's very steep take your car up yeah and i think going through jerome there's a size limit vehicle size limit as well because yeah 180 degree turns yeah a couple of those turns rv wouldn't make it but we have seen some rvs drive through there smaller but yeah not much smaller i remember that one class c was pretty big (laughs) I was like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, not a good idea. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, not like, a plus, good idea. Plus, once you get west of town and over, basically over the summit and going towards Prescott, that's a very windy, twisty downgrade. There's also Dead Horse Ranch State Park that's located in near in Cottonwood, right? Yep. Also, Tuzagoot National Monument. Were you waiting for me to say that? Yes. <laughs> I skipped it. <laughs> it's uh, right outside of Cottonwood. Ancient houses or something. Yeah, ancient Pueblo site. You can learn about, like, the the prehistoric inhabitants and the Pueblo people and how they lived. 
And there's another place nearby there, right? That does, that has like petroglyphs or something. That's Montezuma Castle National Monument. That's actually about mm, I don't yes. know, maybe ten miles cliff dwelling south right? of yep, south of Cottonwood. So very close to that whole area. But they have yeah, uh, very well preserved cliff dwellings there. I bet you there's some petroglyphs too. I would imagine. <laughs> I thought I was thinking petroglyphs, but it was cli- if it was it was cliff dwellings. There's also the Verde River, which you can explore. You can do kayaking and fishing at that. There are hotels in Jerome, so if you are coming by car, you can stay at some of the hotels or BL, or um, Airbnbs. I'm sure there's some Airbnbs. There's definitely hotels. Yep. I know that. There's also BLM near Sedona. There's the, also the there's, National Forest there. One of the big ones in Jerome is the Jerome Grand Hotel. That one's pretty sweet. We actually stayed at the Verde Valley Thousand Trails is where we stayed. Yep. And that's about... 20 to 30 minutes, minutes yeah. away. Pretty easy drive. If you're wintering in this area, it's a great, great spot to, like, check out yep. on snowy days because it's so pretty. The snow, it's, like, lightly covered the, the mountain. It doesn't get too, well, at least when we were there, it didn't get too much snow, um, but it was really pretty to visit. And Yeah, it's always cool when that mountain range is covered in snow. Cool. I think that's Jerome. Anything else you want to say about Jerome? Other than it's awesome, nope. All right, spot number two. Leavenworth, Washington. Leavenworth is a small town that's kind of nestled in the Cascade Mountains, kind of the eastern part of the Cascade Mountains. Uh, A lot of forest around it. So it's not quite a mountain town, but it's in the valley of one. Like there's mountains all around it, so I still consider it a mountain town. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I think of it, I think of the mountains and the – the Wenatchee River that goes right through. It's gorgeous. And it's it's about, what, two hours east of Seattle. So if you're visiting Seattle or if you're road tripping or RVing through that area, it's a fairly easy stop. And there's a lot of camping around, which we'll talk about. We actually went there um, driving from the east side of the state yep. to the west side of the state. We stopped at this small town, like, on the way through. And I'm so glad we did because it was such a surprise. I didn't expect that, and it was cool. We're from Michigan, and we have Frankenmuth, yep. and it's very similar to that with, like, the German theme. Yeah, it's like a little Bavarian town. Yeah, yep. All right, so speaking of that, let's get into the history of Leavenworth. Leavenworth goes back to the early 20th century when logging and the railroad was a very big thing in that area. The town was originally called Icicle Flats, and I think there's actually still a road there, which we drove down, either called Icicle Road or Icicle Flats Road, and I didn't know the, the name at the time, yeah. what, like, you know, how it went together, but I just thought it was a weird name for a road. But it was named, it was later named Leavenworth after Captain Charles Leavenworth, who was like a major investor in the railroad that went through the town. Then in the 1920s, the railroad relocated. That's when like the logging industry in the area took a downturn. And the economy for the town plummeted. People started leaving. Same thing that happened to Jerome was now happening to Leavenworth. Yep. By the 1960s, Leavenworth was almost a ghost town, just like Jerome. So in an effort to save the town, the community leaders and people got together to transform it into like a Bavarian-themed town. Yeah, they like the idea of the mountains and like the alpine setting. So it kind of looked like... Well, that's what they said. It Mm -hmm. reminded them of the Bavarian... Is it the Bavarian Alps? So they ended up changing the buildings and the architecture 
and everything to look more Bavarian. All right, what can we do in Leavenworth? Tell me about it. First thing you want to do when you get there, stroll through downtown. There are tons of shops, restaurants, art galleries. You you can really get an idea of the architecture. And yeah, stuff. well, there is a there is a portion of downtown that you can't drive on. It's blocked off or barricaded off from vehicle traffic, so you can only walk through that section. That's where you find like a lot of little shops and stuff like that. There is a Nutcracker Museum here. Like a ton of nutcrackers. Thousands and thousands of nutcrackers. Yep, from all over the world. There is a reindeer farm. And I think when they say reindeer farm, I don't think they harvest the reindeer there. No, you can, uh, yeah, it does kind of sound like that, doesn't it, by saying reindeer farm. No, you can um, feed them, and they have, like, educational things and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a... Take photos with them. Yep. The waterfront park is pretty cool. It's right along the Wenatchee River. There's a like a walking trail. There's good views of the mountains, a lot of trees, picnic you, areas. You also have the Cascade Mountains there, which you can do hiking, skiing, mountain biking, rock climbing, river rafting, fishing. Yeah, there's, there's actually some, um, I'm pretty sure, like well, we, when we were there, there were some serious rapids in that river. Mm-hmm. There's a ski hill as well if you go there in the winter. Yep. Enchantment Park, playground, skate park. It's kind of like an outdoor park. Access to the river for fishing and other activities like kayaking and stuff. One and there was another place when we, one time when we went downtown, there was like a almost a city park, but they had a pool, like a public pool. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't so. remember what that was called, but there is a public pool there in the summer. I'll try to see if I can find that and we can put it in the notes. Yep. There's also a golf club, which we don't golf, but it would be probably pretty cool because of the mountains there. There's also off-road trails there and some camping spots that are amazing <laughs> that we weren't able to get to. Yeah, we went around and we kind of scouted some. I actually talked to a guy at a local hardware store who gave me some insider tips about where to stay. Unfortunately, we couldn't get our rig back there, but it would Smaller. be cool for, like, yeah, if you had, like, a rooftop tent or a small, small trailer. Because it was right on the river. It was yeah. so cool. We'll link our podcast where we talk about that, and then you can go try to find the spots. Yep. There's also a ton of scenic drives just driving around. I mean, we stayed at the um, Thousand Trails there. Yep. What was it? What is it called? Leavenworth. Yeah, yep. the Leavenworth Thousand Trails. And just driving from our um, campground to Leavenworth was a scenic drive. Yeah. It was gorgeous. You drive oh. through the mountain and down by the water. Yeah, you follow the river for a long ways, and we had to stop a million times to take pictures. Actually, Every at, time. <laughs> a couple of times we went specifically to go down to the river, and we, like, waded in, and yeah, we got our feet wet. Dogs got in the water. Saw there was a dam, and Kylie saw salmon jump. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can go to the dam. Yep. That's kind of cool. And also on US2, right near there, we saw a black bear run across the road. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some wildlife to check out. A lot of campgrounds in the area. Hotels, Airbnbs, and again, we stayed at the Thousand Trails there. Yep. That was really nice. That's right in the woods. There are a lot of different events that you can go to, um, one of which I'm sure you're thinking in your head right now for a German-Bavarian-themed place is Oktoberfest, yeah, and they absolutely. definitely have one. <laughs> they have a big Christmas lighting festival. And they have the International Accordion Celebration. I mean, come on, that sounds I think that amazing. Would be rad. <laughs> There's also a summer theater. I think it's called the Leavenworth Summer Theater. Yep. 
Uh, it has a lot of different plays and musicals. I think we looked it up, and there was, like, Cinderella playing there and some other stuff. Uh, so that looks really cool. Well, if you remember, it was actually going on one time. Remember we went down a road, and we were detoured. Yes. Because of the – they were routing theater yeah. traffic down the that road and detouring Do you remember traffic. what was playing? No. Yeah, I don't either. No. But they do musicals and plays and stuff like that. So it's outdoor theater, so it would be pretty cool. And where should you eat? Well, <laughs> we ate at thing. Gustav's uh, based off of the bad reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Which we, in one post, one podcast, we actually reviewed that place and, and read one of the, the bad review that got me. Yeah. Because it was such a bad review, Tony had to eat there and check it out. <laughs> yeah, it was all about the schnitzel burger. <laughs> the ghost of schnitzel burgers passed or something like that. It was great. So we'll link that podcast so you can go listen to it. The third small town that we want you to go visit is McCall, Idaho. When we first pulled into McCall, the first thing that came to mind was like a mini South Lake Tahoe. Yeah, you said that when we were there, I think. Because yeah. it's a gorgeous blue, like crystal clear blue lake surrounded by mountains. It's like a central western part of Idaho, about 107 miles north of Boise. It's in a mountain, kind of. There's yep. mountains all around it. Yep, it's on the south shore of Payette Lake, so all surrounded by Payette National Forest. And the views, there's little parks along the beaches and stuff. The views are amazing. Yeah, the mountains around the lake are insane. Your mouth will be, like, I was in shock. We saw, like, five bald eagles. Yeah. At different times. They weren't together. Yep. And I have some uh, amazing drone footage. Like, I think it's amazing. Like, I have included it in a couple of little drone videos that we've made. You did? I haven't seen it. Yeah, one of them was, um, I think it was a recap video, maybe last year or the year before, oh. with all the takeoffs. Oh, okay. One of them was McCall. You'll know it when you see it, because there's huge, like, ponderosa pines. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a huge lake with mountains all around it. It's really cool. There's a lot of scenic drives as well around there that you can take um, and see the lake and the mountains it's just gorgeous and a bonus if you're there in the summer it's about it's over 5,000 feet elevation so it can get warm during the day but the nights are great sleeping weather nice and cool and if you're there in the winter it has the like award for the highest average snowfall if you consider that an award I guess in Idaho so a little bit about McCall so the area that's now McCall was originally inhabited by the Shoshone and Nez Perce Native American tribes and then in the early 20th century, the town was founded as a logging community by Thomas and Louisa McCall. They just named the town after their family name. The town developed into this huge lumber industry and quickly became a hub for timber production. And then later on, as the logging industry kind of diminished, um, it transitioned into a resort town like it is now. This one didn't have the same almost turn into a ghost town effect as the other two, but... It went from logging to tourist, and the tourist has been a big deal. So, And things to do in McCall, the big thing is... The lake. Big, big Payette, Payette Lake. lake. <laughs> yeah. It's an alpine lake, so it's snow melt, runoff. It's nice and deep. It's cold, crystal clear. We swam there. Yep. We had some fun swimming, but you can fish. You can boat. Yeah, boating We saw in. some... Uh, People doing some water sports out there when we were swimming. Yep, yeah, there's a lot of activity like that going on all the time. There's the Ponderosa State Park right there. This park is located on the peninsula. East. Yeah, like the yep. east side of the lake. 
You can hike, bike, camp, a lot of wildlife viewing in the area. There's a historical museum that you can visit, Central Idaho Historical Museum. There's also a golf club here. 27-hole golf club. Yeah, surrounded by those mountains and forests. So if you want to golf all day, that's where you go. (laughs) In the winter, there's the activity barn. There's snow tubing and a terrain park if you're a snowboarder or a skier. Farmer's market. Yeah, I was going to say the farmer's market. Farmer's market during the summer. A lot of local produce and handmade stuff, like most farmer's markets, you'll find that kind of stuff. And you can do tons of hiking and mountain biking in the National Forest right there, and tons of water sports, like we said, on the lake. There's also a lot of rivers right there, too, or at least one river. Yeah, there's a river that feeds right into it on the north end. Yeah, and so you can fish in there. And um, And there's a big public beach up there on the north side, too. We didn't actually go to that one because it was really crowded. There might be a fee for that one, like a day-use fee. But just up the road, maybe a couple miles, was like another little... Well, there's a bunch of little like... Like pull-offs and private beaches. So Mm -hmm. there was a bunch of people having like family picnics and swimming and stuff. So we just... Found one of those. Found one of those. Yeah. We were there for several hours. Again, we mentioned, but in the the winter, there's skiing and snowboarding. There's nearby resorts there. So you can do that there. Um, Fishing on the river, snowmobiling. We stayed on some state trust land. Like, right across the street from the lake. Yep, it's on the west side, kind of like central west side of the lake. And uh, it was right near some stables. Pretty, really easy to find. The girls actually, the day I think the day we were leaving, we did a trail. The girls did a little trail ride there. With the horses. With the horses, yep. But there's tons of hotels, motels, vacation rentals. Yeah. I mean, this is a very touristy place. Um, so it's not really... Off the beaten path, but uh, might not be on your list. Yeah. We recommend adding it. And it's still small town, so it's touristy, but still small town. Like, we didn't feel like we were in Disney World or anything here. Exactly. We have three major tips. Yep. You must take a scenic drive along the river byway there. Yeah, the Payette River Scenic Byway. You will be amazed by the views that you'll see. I mean, the greenest, like, green <laughs> major trees forest. and, like, yeah. running into the water. I mean, it was just gorgeous through there. Yep. Um, in the mountains, there's an opportunity to see some animals. Our second tip is bring your camera because you just have to take pictures of this place. It's yep. just amazingly beautiful. And three, get ready to see some eagles. Yeah. We saw, like, I'm not even kidding you, probably five different eagles. Tony saw some, like, well, we all saw it, but Tony saw it first. <laughs> Diving to get fish. Yeah, it's pretty like, awesome. Yeah, it was just, it was cool. All right, our next town. This is a recent one, but it's quickly, like, Top of my list. for Yeah, and we mentioned this in our podcast that we talk about white sand. So some of this may be like may sound familiar because we just had that podcast. So we'll just like zoom through this one. Um, But it's still really good and we want to make sure it's in one of these small town podcasts that we do. And that is Cloudcroft, New Mexico. This is a village, not even a town or a city. About 90 miles northeast of El Paso. It's very close to Alamogordo. It's found in the National Forest, Lincoln National Forest. Yep, right right in the heart of National Forest. And the elevation for this village is 8,668 feet. It's actually one of of the highest settlements in the United States. It's pretty cool. Didn't Mm -hmm. know that until we were researching it. Yeah, and it it is really cool. Well, let's do some history about Cloudcroft. Founded in the late 19th century, again, as a logging community, and... People use it as a summer retreat to beat the heat of the surrounding desert. I don't blame them. Yeah. (laughs) Because it gets hot there. (laughs) Yeah, we were there in 
well, let's say March, and it was very warm in Alamogordo area, White uh-huh. Sands area. We were going to go to a St. Paddy's Day parade in Cloudcroft. They had to cancel it because it got so cold and it snowed. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that would be like an escape. But we were there <laughs> a few days before that, and it was nice. It was like very pleasant. It wasn't freezing cold. How it all got started was the Alamogordo and Sacramento Mountain Railway was completed in about 1900, and that connected Cloudcroft with Alamogordo. So that was a big part of its development. They also built a lodge there for people, you know, like the summer tourists yep. to come and enjoy. But when the railway was dismantled in the 1940s, the village died. <laughs> nope, remained a cool tourist spot. Yes. <laughs> you can actually see part of the railway still um, when you're driving up to Cloudcroft. There is a whole section that you can pull over and there's hiking and everything over there. So. Yep, on the west side of Cloudcroft between Alamogordo. Um, there's a big train trestle, which we actually mentioned in the last one of the last podcasts. It's the Mexican Canyon trestle, mm-hmm. and there's a uh, different viewing areas for it. You can hike around. There's picnic areas. It's really neat. Things to do in the area. So the big one is White Sands National Park. It's located 50 miles west of Cloudcroft, and we've talked about it. It was one of our kids' favorite. It's the largest gypsum dune in the world. We talk about it in podcast 70. So thefeolas.com slash 70 if you want to hear about White Sands and more about Cloudcroft. Another really cool thing to do there is the Sunspot Solar Observatory. It's a short drive from Cloudcroft. It offers visitors a chance to learn about solar astronomy. You could see it from our boondocking spot you, yeah. in White Sands. Yeah, you could see it at the very top of the mountain, just little these little white buildings, and clearly they're observatories. There's also a bit um, a scenic drive along, along the yeah. yeah. They have, like, telescopes with special filters and stuff that you can look at the sun. And and then, of course, you have the Lincoln National Forest. There's Which, yeah. unlimited Hunt. things to do. There's Jeep trails and roads and wild horses and elk. Yeah, and we did some off-road snow. trails in there and enjoyed them greatly. If you listen to our podcast, you'll hear about that. Yep. You can... Ski in the winter. Yeah, it's a family-friendly ski area. They have, like... You know, little, like, they have the skiing, and then they have little restaurants. We went to a little pizza place. It was good. Cloudcroft Brewery. Great pizza. Didn't have any beer there, though. They did give me some stickers, which <laughs> I was thankful for. If you want to stay in Cloudcroft, there there are hotels. There's Airbnbs, motels. Bed and breakfast. Yeah, cabins, vacation rentals. You have all the normal things. And like we said, we stayed in free camping near White Sands. Yeah. Our last must-see small, small town. town is Frankfurt, Michigan. This was a hot spot for our family before we got our RV. Yeah, when we were hardcore tent campers. Yeah, we used to go there and camp. And at the time, we were able to camp right on the beach, which is right on Lake Michigan. It was amazing. It was. We got to share that spot with a few of our friends and family a couple times before. I'm assuming something happened in the area and they had to close it. Mm -hmm. Maybe too much activity on the beach or something, but... People weren't. Unfortunately, it's closed. It right. It's closed to camping now, but I think you can still access it to go out onto the beach. Yeah. So you wouldn't be able to take an RV out there anyways. No, exactly. It was definitely deep sand. You would have to like. Tent. Yeah, it was four wheel drive only. But that's um, it's located in the northwestern part of the Lower Peninsula of Michigan. If you're familiar with the area, it's about 45 minutes from Traverse City, which is a a very popular tourist destination in northern. And if you're in, from the southern part of the state. It's a few hours. It's probably three or four hours from Detroit, if you want to 
put your hand up like a map and then map it out that way. Yeah. It's right, again, right on Lake Michigan. So you'd have to like move to the west side of the state yep. and then go over. Yeah. It is so pretty there and it's the best beach. And the sand is like perfect. It's not a rocky beach. Yep. It's on the best Great Lake. Second best. No, the best Lake Michigan. Um, it has a perfect little downtown area. It's really a cute town. Highly recommend it. All right, let's talk about the history of Frankfurt. Founded mid-19th century as a transportation hub for the shipping industry. Because if you don't know, the Great Lakes is a major shipping lane. <laughs> it goes from all the way from the Atlantic Ocean all the way to Chicago. Or if you're talking other stuff, it goes up to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Its location was perfect for the lumber trade. So yep. that's where most of the lumber was shipped out. Yeah, and back then, the lumber industry was huge in Michigan. They constructed the Frankfurt North Breakwater Lighthouse, mm -hmm. and that made it like a very significant port for the for shipping, for the, all the shipping things. What are those things <laughs> called? Boats? Ships? Ships. <laughs> and over the years, it's just become a really good relaxing tourist place it's kind of the opposite of traverse city so like traverse city which i'm sure you've heard of very very touristy it's still really beautiful up yeah, there yeah you still get to do a lot of fun stuff but there's a lot of tourists frankfurt you kind of get everything you get in traverse city but without all the tourists i feel like you know we used to go we used to go to both places pretty much every year but i feel like every time we go back to traverse city it's grown mm -hmm. you know there's more and more things shops houses vacation homes and all that stuff. Frankfurt just seems to never change. Yeah. Other than maybe a shop replaces another shop or something like that. But it always has the same feel. Like a but great... it's still super close to everything. So yeah. you could stay in Frankfurt and you can visit Sleeping Bear Dunes for the day, Traverse yeah. City. They're both 45 minutes away. Um, you can also hear, like if you go to our podcast, thefailers.com slash 18, you can hear about all different cities and stuff along the west side of yep. the state. And I'm sure there's like a ton up there that you would be interested in. Yeah. Some other things to do in that area. There is the lighthouse. Great for photography, visiting. It's a historic lighthouse. So you yep. can visit that. Um, there's the Frankfurt Beach, which is a great place to go swimming. Yeah, there's actually a couple really great beaches in that area. One of them is uh, the Alberta Beach, which is a little lesser known than Frankfurt Beach. Mm -hmm. So that's I think actually Alberta the, is the one that we like. That's the area that we used to camp, prime spot. There's the Betsy Valley Trail. It's actually a 22-mile recreational trail. It's good for biking, hiking, jogging. Um, and it goes between Frankfurt and Thompsonville. Point Betsy Lighthouse. It's five miles north of Frankfurt. Yep, and it's another historic lighthouse. Amazing views of Lake Michigan, surrounding coastline. I don't know if Not you know, a, but Michigan has like 200 and something. How many lighthouses? Yeah, something like 270 or something close to that number. Yeah, so there's two of them. And when you're, at, <laughs> when you're on that coast, the west coast of Michigan, unbeatable sunsets. Mm -hmm. It is honestly the best great Second lake best ever. Second best lake. When you're sitting, <laughs> Tony likes lake, lake Superior better, but it's not better. Um, when you are sitting on Lake Michigan and some of the best sand you'll ever find on the water and the sun setting, you could take pictures and share them with family and they'll think you're on the ocean. Yeah. I mean, it's like gorgeous. If you've never sat on the shore and looked out over Lake Michigan or any of the Great Lakes for that matter, you can't see anything but water until the edge of the horizon. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it feels like, inland sea. Yeah. Also right there is Crystal Lake. And Crystal Lake is amazing. I've actually, I actually went up there 
in my high school days with one of my friends. There, his family had a place up there, had a boat. I water skied on that lake for like one of the first times ever in my life. Water skied around the whole lake very awkwardly, but I did it. But it's a it's a beautiful lake, and there's the Crystal River, which is a very popular for canoeing and kayaking and rafting and all that stuff. There's the Garden Theater. It's a historic movie theater in downtown Frankfurt. You can see independent films, classic movies, stuff like that. Yeah, it's like a cool old school theater. We recommend taking a scenic drive on M22, which is right there. It's along the highway. Just drive it as far as you can and then turn around and come back. It is so gorgeous, especially if you do it at sunset. Yep, M22, the whole drive is amazing. It goes all the way up to Sleeping Bear Dunes, right? Yep. So... You can take it all the way to Sleeping Bear Dunes. Goes through Empire, Michigan, which also has an amazing beach. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when Tony and I would go camping or exploring northern Michigan, we'd be up there, and instead of taking I-75, which is the main road, main highway in Michigan that goes, like, right through the middle of the state, yep. kind of, well, off to the east, but I'd say, let's take the o- let's take the ocean. Let's take the Lake Michigan down, and that would be the road you take. Yeah, that was like our that was our way to delay going home. Yes. Instead was... of taking the quick way, we're going to take M22 as far as it'll go, right along Lake Michigan the whole time. Yeah, and then take 69 over. Yeah, that was good old, good old days before. Now now we can do that whenever we want. Yep. <laughs> we could just stay over there. Also, Storm Cloud Brewing Company. Very popular local brewery. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we highly recommend doing like a charter fishing trip or something and go out on Lake Michigan and catch some salmon or something. Yeah, you've never had salmon until you had Lake Michigan salmon. Trout, walleye, perch. Tony's been trout fishing up there. Yep. If you ever meet Tony, ask him how his trout fishing went. No, it was salmon fishing. Oh, I thought it was trout. No, you're talking about when we when I took you and you stayed back? Yeah. Yeah, that you, was salmon fishing. You came back like two minutes later. It's freezing. There was ice. <laughs> you missed me. There are hotels, Airbnbs. Bed and breakfasts, vacation rentals, campgrounds. There are campgrounds in the town, but we stayed on like the state um, forest normally. Yep, that's where we normally stay. I don't know if there's a lot of RV spots in the state forest, but I'm sure there's a couple, especially if you have a smaller rig. Yep, the state forest is nice because you can camp. It doesn't have to be a designated camping spot. It can be dispersed, but you do have to get a, a permit free from permit the, from yeah. the state. You just have to get the paperwork and fill it out while you're there. Like mm-hmm. when we would camp there, we would. Fill out the tag and tie it to a tree while we were there. Yeah. And then the nat- there is National Forest, but it's about hour, hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to spend time there and stay fairly close, that's also an option. Here on Manistee National Forest. And then we used to camp right on the beach at Alberta Beach. But like I said, I don't think they allow that anymore. Um, you could check it out. Maybe they do. Maybe I mean, maybe yeah. they fixed it so you yeah. could. But it was amazing. We had a many Fourth of Julys camping on the beach. Yeah. We should share. We'll share some pictures from that era. Yeah, tent camping era. <laughs> but it was it's unforgettable, especially that's when you can when watch I, the fireworks from your tent. Yeah, we'd have a fire on the beach and watch fireworks, and get poison ivy. Yeah, I got. There I got, is a lot of poison ivy there. Yeah, I got annihilated by poison ivy. Just one, one of the time. times we went there. Yep. Yeah, then you learned your lesson. Yep. <laughs> For local events and festivals, I mean, they have a ton of different festivals there. There's also, like, Traverse City has the Cherry Festival, if you want to go to that. That's which is typically a big deal. July. Um, how far away is the Coast Guard Festival? 
That is in Grand Haven, but that's a couple hours away. That's oh, further okay. south, yeah. You could probably do two, though. You could go to Coast, the Coast Guard Festival and then drive up and yep. stay at um, Frankfurt. Um, but the big one that Frankfurt has is Beer Week. Yep. It's in October annually. Mm-hmm. And, and it's craft beer. Yep. Tastings, food pairings, live music, all throughout the town. It's a pretty awesome event. And that is our five must-see, off-the-beaten-path destinations. Yeah, add these places to your bucket list book or your travel book or whatever you have. Pin them on Google Maps because if you're in the area... Like within an hour or two. Yeah, make the drive because these some of these spots we just found, you know... As far as our adventure goes, we just found by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like on the way to something else. Yep. And they turned out to be incredible and, you know, memorable. So that's why we added these to our list. All right. I think that's it. I think we need to turn the air on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sweating. Yeah. Southern Texas in April is hot. Yeah, it's like 85 today. Yeah. Tonight. All right, sounds good. Stay tuned until next week when we talk about... Safety tips. The second part of our RV stuff. Oh, yeah. The Class A experience. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) If you've been enjoying our thrilling adventures and pulse-pounding conversations, (laughs) but you'll also enable other adrenaline junkies. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Fellow adrenaline junkies to discuss our podcast. If you've been enjoying our adventures and balls of fucking Sorry, I had to say that again. At the faolas.com. I didn't know what number I was about to say, even though it's right in front of me. <laughs> or your name, one of the two. What's my name? What's my name? Talk about the five. You said the five. Today we're going to talk about the five. Not the five pad but we've also linked that or we've oh oh this is your line (laughs) (laughs) sorry babe it's a mindset what the heat no it's physical (laughs) (laughs) no my mom and dad are podcasting be quiet After the invest, um, okay, you just say that. The town was originally. <laughs> I just hope they have to. Okay. There is definitely. <clears throat> there. <laughs> What's going on over there? I don't know. Something's happening. When we pulled into. Whoa. <laughs> so much for my filter. Terrain Park. Terrain Park. That's. You know what that is? No. That <laughs> was the cloud, cro- cloud. Man, I am struggling. My <laughs> tongue just doesn't like that word.